Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to a, another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a, a solo episode. Uh, I got a topic I want to go over and then a question uh, that I want to uh, dive into a little bit more. So let's dive into the topic. So uh, this was a blog that I wrote this week and it's about what needs to be in every client's uh, fat loss diet. So, <clears throat> you know, say you want to lose body fat. I'm sure you either find a random diet on the internet uh, you log into MyFitnessPal, you haven't spit out the numbers that it gives you uh, based on how much weight you want to lose and your weight, and then, or you go straight into a 1,200 or 1,600 calorie diet, um, you know, because you heard that was a way to go. Uh, or you try something like keto slash low carb, or you just cut out all your favorite foods because they are quote unquote bad. I'm sure you do at least one of those, and it's not like any of these are wrong, okay, so don't want to say that it's bad. Um, but... There's much more that goes into it than just being like, you know what, I want to diet, and then you start the next day. So basically, there's more that goes into it than saying, I want to diet, I'm going to look for a diet real quick, and then I start the next day. Uh, just following a 1,600-calorie diet or or the keto diet just isn't enough. Real quick, kind of as a side note, uh, one like common misconception conception I see out there. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that it's not, it's probably not as big of a misconception here because we've talked about it so many times. But that misconception is that people feel like they need to be always trying to lose body fat. Um, but obviously, as you've heard before, um, but maybe you're new, you don't know for sure. Uh, for all my clients, we dedicate periods of time to this rather than always being in a fat loss phase. We, we really try to get out of that just endless diet mindset. Um, I think too many people go through that, not go through it, but that's just what they think fitness is, right? And there's just so many things that go into it that can make it, that just makes that tough. And it just really makes it a terrible process. So we don't, I have found in my experience and just, you know, learning from others in this field that, you know, the best way to go about this is just having these dedicated phases to fat loss. Um, and so, you know, again, like I said, I've talked about nutrition periodization in the past, um, but either way, so again, I'm sure that you, if you listen to this podcast for a while, you know that, but maybe you're fairly new. Um, okay, so now you know you shouldn't always be trying to lose body fat. I think that that's important uh, to make that know. But, you know, to go back to what we were just talking about, how come you can't just find a diet online and start dieting? And, uh, you know, my biggest thing here is it's only a small portion of the equation. There's much more that goes into it. Okay, so again, if maybe you just find, hey, eat 1,600 calories, that's fine. That's a good starting point for some people, not for everybody. But that's really all it kind of tells you, right? Um, and again, I, I like that's um, in theory is fine. And, it, and again, it could help. But just telling somebody to do that is not enough. Uh, maybe in the beginning it's enough, but it's, it's not going to be enough long term. And so what I want to do is dive into things that we ensure are in each client's fat loss phase so that we 
can ensure like we increase their chances of success. Okay. So again, it's not like, Hey, here's your calories, um, follow this and you'll lose weight, right. Or you'll lose body fat. You know, there's more that goes into it. There's more things that we need to focus on there. So let's dive into what those are. So the first one is uh, pre-diet. So with the pre-diet, what that means is we need, this is a period of time before you actually get into dieting. Uh, Again, this is a lot of people just go straight into the diet and then they diet, whatever they're, say they're following keto, they keto for however long they can sustain it, which usually isn't very long. And then when they're done, they go right back to what they're doing. That's usually how people diet, but we need a pre-diet phase here. Um, now I'm saying that a lot of people do push things off. Um, but if you're someone who has dieted multiple times, I'm sure you've just dove right into a diet without any type of preparation. So again, you know, a lot of people put things off and we do need to take action, but when it comes to this, it, we, we need a little bit more um, than that. So diving right into some things can be good, but in this case, you need to have a pre-diet before you start your fat loss diet, especially if you've dieted multiple times with little to no success. So the big thing here is if you're somebody who's dieted multiple times, you haven't seen success, you need this pre-diet phase. Everyone needs it, but especially if you've tried to diet multiple times. Um, just like you know, right now, there's training camp for hockey. Just start it today, in case you're a hockey fan. Um, and so just like professional sports teams need a preseason and training camp to get ready, you need a pre-diet phase to get ready for a calorie deficit. Um, that's like one of my best analogies I think I've ever had there. So I'm really proud of that one. Anyway, so things that we do in the pre-diet phase, um, we want to, so things that we'll do in a pre-diet phase with the client is we want to establish a good calorie baseline. So again, we're just kind of trying to see where their maintenance levels are at. Again, it's just to get them used to tracking a little bit. So again, this cuts out, Hey, you're not tracking. Okay. Now we're going to go straight into tracking for a calorie deficit. No, we want to track, get them to sort of maintain their weight we don't want to see a ton of weight loss with this, but again, we want to establish a good calorie baseline for them. We also want to work on eat, good eating habits. You know, think of things like uh, slowing down when eating. Um, we want to have a good base of whole foods. You know, make sure they're getting plenty of protein. Because uh, again, you know, somebody could go into not ever dieting, not doing anything, and then they go into a 1600 calorie diet. And that's uh, just too big of a change at once. So again, we want to start to work on some, some better eating habits here. Um, we also want to make sure that their weight has stabilized over the previous four to eight weeks um, before leading into this, leading into a diet. So again, we don't want to go from somebody having somebody that's lost thirty pounds in the last two months to them being like, okay, all right, yeah, let's let's continue to diet for fat loss. No, that's insane. Um, so again, we want to make sure that their weight has stabilized for a period of time, uh, at least four to eight weeks. Um, again, jumping right back into a fat loss phase after losing weight is a terrible idea. Um, we also want to look at their uh, training. You know, are they? We want to ensure they aren't overdoing cardio or high intensity activity. Um, so we want to make sure we get their training volume to the optimal amount. Uh, I just had a uh, podcast with Brandon DeCruz. We talked about insulin sensitivity. That will be out in a couple of weeks. And you know, one of the things that um, you know we don't realize is you know high training volume, doing high intensity activity, like that's a stressor to the body. And so again, if you're causing too much stress to the body, it's not going to be able to adapt and like, it's not going to be able to lose body fat as efficiently. It's not going to be able to build muscle as efficiently. So if you're doing too much training and your stress levels are high, 
you know, we need to get that under control. Otherwise you're, it's going to feel like you're moving in, in sand essentially. Um, so with clients, we do not plan on going straight into a fallacy phase. There are some initial things they must cross off the list. Uh, this, ins- this ensures they are ready to handle calorie deficit. And again, we need to make sure we're ready to handle because it is going to throw, throw some things at us that are going to be challenging. If you're not ready for that, it's just going to set you up for failure. Um, now, I'm saying all this, some clients who did have poor eating habits prior uh, to coming to us, they do see some good fat loss in this initial stage. Uh, you know, so it makes you wonder, you know, what the hell are they doing? If, like, let's say, for example, client was losing weight beforehand and, you know, they came to us and they were like, all right, we need to take a break from dieting. But then they continue to lose weight. It's like, well, you know, they probably just, who knows, maybe they're, they were doing too much training. Um, maybe their eating habits were, were terrible. Who, who knows what it was? Um, but some clients do see some fat loss prior to this, or they, they do see fat loss during this phase. And as far as how long this goes, I mean, this phase can take anywhere from four to 16 weeks. It just really depends um, where the client's at, how well they handle it. I mean, if they're not staying consistent with their calories, in terms of like tracking, again, this doesn't mean we do this with every with every client. But if you know we decide that tracking macros is right for them, and they're not tracking regularly, well, that needs to be figured out before they go into a fat loss phase. And for some clients, that takes longer. For some, unfortunately, they can never really dial that in. Um, and then the eating habits too. You know, it may take a while to get a good base of whole foods in as well. So it just depends on you know where the clients at, what they're experiences, things like that. So the next thing, so first, so again, we need to make sure we have a pre-diet phase before. So we need to make sure that we're at least four to eight weeks. We got to, we got to work on these things. The next thing that we need to look at is how long the phase is going to be. You know, big mistake when you search for a diet online or use random calorie numbers is that it doesn't tell you how long you need to be doing that for. So, that's a big mistake because if you're not, if you don't have a time frame to it, this is where people end up. They do these diets and then they end up doing it until they they can't anymore, until they just can't adhere to it. And again, that's going to set you up for failure. Uh, also, not to mention, you know, the longer you diet, uh, the more you're going to run into things like hunger. It, diet in terms of if you're actually in a deficit, you're losing weight. You know, over time, you're going to. Uh, hunger is going to increase. Um, then, then we have things such as metabolic adaptation, where you know your body starts to adapt to the the calorie amount, how much you're moving. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, being in this fat loss phase for too long and not having a, a, a time frame on it is is um, it's just really hurting the progress there. Um, so, to ensure success, we set up a general time frame. Okay, so for some clients, this needs to be they have a time sensitive goal, so obviously it's more time sensitive there. But for most clients, even if it isn't time sensitive. Uh, we we set up a time frame on how long we're going to be in a fat loss phase. Eight to twelve weeks seems to be the sweet spot for most. However, uh, I've talked about this before. Um, you know, it's going to depend on the client. Some clients are going to be able to go longer. Um, some, you know, maybe less. It just depends on, on the client and, and to how um, large the deficit is, how much weight they're losing, things that they have going on. But again, eight to twelve weeks is a sweet spot. But again, it can go all the way up to twenty four weeks. Or longer, or it can be as low as six weeks. Uh, you just need to, if you're new to this and you've never set up a time frame, 
I would pick somewhere between eight to 12 weeks to start, see what happens. And then, and then go from there. Um, this helps. And the big thing here is it helps the clients realize that this is only temporary and to see if there are any events or challenges that need to be worked around during this time frame. So again, we say, Hey, next eight to 12 weeks, do you have anything coming up? Yes, I have this. Okay. We have that in the back of our mind. We know that, Hey, maybe during these six weeks, we're going to push it. Then during in the middle for two weeks, okay, we're maybe going to take a, a tiny step back so you can enjoy whatever events it is. And so again, just knowing what's going to pop up is super important there. Uh, but I think the big thing too, is they know that there's an end date. You know, I think for a lot of clients or not clients, for a lot of people that start a diet, the thought is that, oh crap, I'm going to have to do this forever. That makes it not sustainable. So again, having this be, hey, for the next eight to 12 weeks, you know, these are the things we're going to work on. We need to be a little bit more rigid with, with things. And I think it can help them during that time where say something pops up, you have to make a, a choice, you know, oh, you know what, this is only going to happen during this time. It's okay. Whereas on the other hand, if you don't have a time frame to, uh, you don't have a time frame set up, you're going to be more, you're more than likely going to not stick with it because it's like, well, I just got to do this all the time. There's no end game to it. So screw it. Uh, so again, we need to have a general time frame here. Too many people just have a vague goal of fat loss and then find themselves getting in the, in this endless diet mindset trap without having a plan of how long they're going to diet for. Talk to people all the time. You need to lose body fat. Or what's your goal? Lose body fat. Okay, what are you doing right now for that? And it's just like, you know, they're just trying to restrict themselves. Sometimes, sometimes they're not. So if you're, again, your goal, if your goal is to ultimately change your body composition, you need to have, you need to spend time where you do diet for fat loss, but then you need to spend time where you're not dieting for fat loss. It's mentally for people, that's a challenge. But again, that's really going to be the only way you're going to be able to get down to where you want to be and to ultimately keep your body composition uh, where you want it to be. So again, we have a, a time frame. We set a time frame for how long. Um, we also have a set number. So the next thing is having a set number of meals per day. Um, structure is crucial during a fat loss diet. And so one way, that, one simple way that we can get some structure is by having a set amount of meals per day. Uh, I, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If each day is different, this will make adherence tough. This also takes a lot of the needless guesswork out. So all the client needs to do is just execute at that point. Okay, I know I have four number four meals per day. Um, I'm three meals in. Okay, I just need to hit one more. Whereas if one day you eat three meals and the next day you eat five, then you eat two, then it's just confusing. You don't know what you need to do. Then you have to figure out your macros if you track that. If you can just stay consistent, you have a general idea of the amount of food that you need to eat um, each day. <clears throat> Pick a number. So basically what you're going to do here is you're going to pick a number of meals you know you can stick to per day. You're going to get your schedule. So again, you're setting up your fat loss diet next eight to 12 weeks. You look, um, you know what your schedule is. You know, okay, I can do four meals per day. Um, three or five seems to be best for most, but you choose four meals. And if you have a busy day, kind of like I just talked about, say you have four meals that's what you chose and you have a busy day, then on that day, maybe, and you've only eaten once on that day. Now, you know, you still need three more meals rather than again, being like, Oh, I don't know what to do. So again, having that structure there is just super important. And then the next one here, and this is going to go hand in hand with this last one. The next thing we set up during a client's fat loss phase is we're going to have a no snacking rule. You know, I don't like to necessarily set up rules, but again, we need to have some structure during these fat loss phases. Um, so no snacking. Um, so you know how many meals you're going to eat per day. Um, and so now you know you're only going to eat during those meals. 
Snacking is a fat loss killer, mainly because we snack when we are bored or hungry, and the types of foods we usually eat when we snack are usually very tasty, so they're just much easier to overeat. Uh, something I just you know commonly see, and I can think back of times when I was, um, you know, I didn't have the structure with my nutrition. Is you know, you see something tasty, a snack, you eat it, and then you just want to keep eating it because you're not filling up on anything that has a ton of nutrients, and the food's tasty. And so you just keep eating and then you never really get full. So you're just adding in extra calories. Again, it's going to be a killer for fat loss. So during your fat loss phase, you need to take out snacking. No grazing. You only eat during your designated meals. So this is, say you're at work and they have a bowl of M&Ms laying around. Not going to grab any M&Ms during that time. And again, this is just during your fat loss diet. Now, this doesn't mean once the fat loss diet is over, you can just start snacking like crazy. I still think there is a ton of benefit to having this structure at all times, but at least you know that during this time, you're going to cut out that snacking completely. Um, so we have clients aim for meals, no snacking, unless it's a high protein snack and it's a part of their set meals per day. So if you are going to snack, it needs to be a high protein snack and it has to, it's going to be one of your meals for the day. So say a certain, so say you have three full meals and then you have one snack per day. That's a high protein snack, whether that be a protein shake, a protein bar, beef jerky, Greek yogurt, things like that. That's the only time that you're um, eating is during those designated meals, no snacking, no grazing. Um, again, it's just maintains structure and takes a lot of the guesswork out of what's going on. Again, if you are, you eat four meals per day and then now you start one day, you're, you snack a little bit, one day you have two handfuls and the next day you have four, then you have zero, then you have one. It's just confusing and it's just, you're not getting good structure down with that. And, and so um, again, set your meals. That's when we, we ask clients how many meals they want to eat per day. Again, usually three to between three and five they pick and that's the only time they're eating no snacking in between or anything like that the next thing we uh, discuss with them and set up is limit alcohol session no alcohol and in the blog i wrote i'm sorry i am sorry because i know a lot of people hear that and they're like what but drinking alcohol during a fat loss phase is going to make adherence nearly impossible um again we know obviously drinking does add extra calories but the killer is what happens after the drinking is what kills people. So let's say you drink, you know, maybe you, you added calories again, you had a couple of beers or, or maybe you had some vodka, vodka, uh, let's go with a low calorie option. Yeah. Vodka club, right. That's some lime. All right. So then you start buzzing. You, you, you obviously drink some calories, not a ton. You, you made a good choice there with that. But what happens that night? You overeat that night. Then you get poor sleep because you're going to sleep drunk and then you're tired the next day. So the next day you lay around and because you lay around bored. And because you're bored, you start to think about tasty food because you feel like crap. We've all been there before, right? And plus, if you go out drinking and then you're hungry and you want to eat, are you really going to go to something that's nutrient dense? Maybe there's a few people out there that do, but I guarantee you nine times out of 10 people are not going to choose the types of foods that are going to be conducive to their goals, to their fat loss goals. You know, it, again, it's not like if you eat certain food, you're going to automatically gain fat. But we have to realize you're you're you know you've been drinking, so your inhibitions are lowered. So you're more likely to just be like, you know what, I don't care what I eat, and I don't care how much I eat because I don't care right now because my inhibitions are lowered. So we just need to be careful with drinking, and it's not so much the drinking, which does cause extra calories, but it's the downstream effects of what happens when you drink. So for online clients, we have them either aim for no alcohol or a very moderate amount per week. So what I'll tell someone is, hey, look, no drinking, but we're going to leave this open for you. 
So it's usually going to be, I'll say, but if you do want to drink, you know, let's try to stick to zero, zero to two times per week and about one to three drinks when drinking. Anything more than this, you're going to probably not hit your fat loss goals like you would like. Um, so again, we have them uh, pick that out. You know, for some, it's like, okay, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have a drink every once in a while, probably once a week, but I'm only going to do two. That's definitely, again, there's probably going to have to be some, you're probably going to have to change some things around a little bit on that day. There's going to be some strategizing, but overall, you don't really have to change too much. So, but if you start drinking, you know, two times per week and you have six drinks per night, now you're really going to start to run into some issues there. The next thing that needs to be in a, that needs to be in a client's fat loss phase is tracking. Now, before I go on this, and this is something that I'm going to hit on again, but this doesn't mean tracking calories. Too many people just wing their fat loss phases. Okay, so again, they go to keto, then they think that, okay, they're just going to eat foods that are on the keto list. You're just going to eat that. But just like we preach tracking workouts, if you want to progress, or, you know, we, you know, if you're going to track your expenses to save money, you know, you need to track your expenses. You need to track something during your fat loss phase. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean tracking calories. You can go without tracking macros and calories, but it certainly helps and increases your chances of success. I just had a um, call with a client today. and He told me that you know he started tracking and it's obviously been super helpful for him for a couple of reasons. He, first thing he mentioned was, he's like, well, I didn't realize how much, how many calories were in a serving of almonds. You know, again, we hear almonds, we think of a health food. You know, if you're on keto, I'm probably going to recommend almonds. But, you know, again, if, if he doesn't track, he's not going to know that almonds cause, that almonds have a lot of calories for that amount. Now, next time he goes and eats almonds, he's going to realize, you know what, is this going to be worth it to, to my goals? Um, and then two, he also said, you know, just him tracking has also helped him uh, not overeat at certain meals because again, he's got to track that. And now it's like, now it's real. So again, there's a lot of benefit to tracking. I know for some, it can be a pain in the ass and a lot of people dread the thought of doing that. But if you've never done it before, it's definitely something that you at least need to give a shot at for, uh, you know, at least a month, I think. Because I think if you do it for two weeks, it's too soon. You, you know, again, it can be a challenge, but as, as you do it more, it gets easier and easier. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean tracking calories, but in saying that tracking calories is very, not very important, but it's very helpful um, for the reasons that I just mentioned. Um, some things that you can't track, you can track how many sources of protein you get per day. You can just track just calories slash just protein. Uh, you can track how many meals you were having per day. You can track hand portions. It doesn't matter, but just tracking something uh, is always is always going to give you a better chance at success because then you know what is working, what's not working. Now, there are some things that we must track. The first is going to be body weight. Uh, two to three times per week, first thing in the morning, post-bathroom, pre-food or drink. And you want to take that just for the week. Next, measurements. You know, again, maybe during a loss phase, your weight isn't going down as you would like. But then you look at measurements and you see your waist is going down. And then lastly, progress pictures. Again, maybe you look better. You know, isn't that the goal? So again, we want to at least track those three things at the bare minimum. Like those are the, that's the baseline of what we need to track. And then after that, it's like, okay, maybe you're tracking, maybe you're tracking how much protein you're having per day. Um, 
Maybe you're tracking just how many meals you're having, but again, we have to track something with at the top, the, the, the most important, the most, the thing that's going to give you the most accurate, the most data is probably going to be tracking your macros and calories. So stop following a diet and then not tracking anything. There's a 99.9% chance you won't stick to it long-term. The next thing that has to be in all clients fat loss phase is weight training. Again, if you listen to this podcast and you've listened to it for a while, do I really need to say more here? Um, you obviously know the importance of weight training. We have to keep weight training in during our fat loss phase in order to maintain muscle. Um, if you take out weight training in order to do cardio, to lose weight, big mistake there. Next is it. Uh, next thing that needs to be in each client's fat loss phase is a step goal. Um, each client gets a step goal. You know why steps, not cardio. I think again, if you've listened to this podcast, you know the importance of getting steps in and why why I like to track meat. But the big thing here is it's just tough for most people to get into the gym or dedicate thirty to sixty minutes to to formal cardio. So the cool thing with steps is they can get them. You can get them in while doing other things like hanging with friends, family, your kids, doing housework, grocery shopping, walking with a loved one. Um, just again, just shopping in general, you can park further away. Like all these things add steps. So, you know, this is just things that you can add into your day. And again, that isn't going to require you to go and have to go to the gym for 30 minutes and walk on the treadmill. I mean, that sounds awful. You can do other things that you enjoy while getting your cardio in. So again, we, we aim for a step goal. Another reason we aim for a step goal is because when we diet, our body does try to conserve energy where possible. Um, so by having a, a step goal, we at least know you're maintaining some sort of physical activity. Because um, I do, and, and we're going to talk about uh, the constrained energy hypothesis here in a little bit. Um, it has to go with one of my questions I had. Uh, but but um, definitely, like for example, if you're tracking, like I bet if you have somebody in a fat loss diet and they are tracking their steps, but they're not like paying attention to what they're doing, I bet as the fat loss phase goes on and the more weight they lose, you know, metabolic adaptation starts to kick in. I bet you'll start to see their steps slowly decrease. Um, so again, this is where we track steps so that we can uh, make sure that that does not happen. So we have that. Now, lastly, the last thing we want here is we need to, so again, at the beginning of this, we had, uh, we needed the plan before the diet. We need to have that pre-diet phase. Now, you must have a plan after the diet, after your fat loss diet. I put last, but certainly not least, there has to be a plan after the diet. Um, a lot of people diet for fat loss, and then when it's done, they just go back to what they were doing before. Not good. Um, this actually is the most uh, important part of the diet. Uh, without a plan after the diet, you will most likely lose all of the progress you made during the fat loss phase. If that scares you, it should. Um, with all of all online clients, we have a plan to transition trans, transition them out of a energy deficit so they can enjoy the progress they made during the fat loss phase. Uh, you know, again, we got to have a plan afterwards. So, you know, some things off the top of my head that we do with clients are, you know, we maintain high levels of physical activity. Studies have shown that people have lost ten percent or more of their body weight. Um, one of the, the the people that keep it off, they they maintain a high level of physical activity afterwards. So, we want to make sure we do that. We want to make sure we're still monitoring our body weight, still monitoring. Maybe not waist measurements as much or progress pictures, but we're at least monitoring that body weight, making sure that's not going crazy. Um, so we still need to monitor. We're still going to track. Um, we're gonna. We're not just going to add in a bunch of tasty food because again, your body. If if you lost a good amount of weight during a fat loss phase, your body's ready to eat. Uh, 
you know, and, and everything's going to taste better. So again, we can't just go straight into eating whatever we want. So there still needs to be some, uh, there's, there needs to be some structure around your, your training and nutrition after a fat loss phase. Um, and again, we'll slowly over time, if they're tracking calories, we'll slowly bring up their calories. Um, I did a podcast with Brandon DeCruz on this going over reverse dieting. So if you want uh, more information on how to go about that post diet period, um, I definitely want to lead you in that direction there. Um, let me see what episode that was. I think it was 74. Yeah. Yeah. Why and how to reverse diet episode 74 with Brandon DeCruz. Um, Yeah, we definitely want to get, uh, so definitely check that out um, if you have any questions on how to um, do that. <clears throat> and again, you know, if, uh, um, you know, now basically with this information, you can find a diet on the internet and you can use it in combination with the things that I just talked about and your chances of success are going to go up dramatically. Now, if you still need more help, guidance on setting this up, I highly recommend getting a coach. Uh, obviously, I, I would recommend me. Um, you're listening to this podcast, but just getting somebody to help you with this. Um, so this is my shameless plug for my online coaching. So if this is something that you've been interested in. Um, I highly recommend at least filling out the co- coaching application, um, which is linked in the bio, not my bio. Jeez, that's I'm used to my Instagram post. It's linked in the show notes. Um, at least fill it out and we can at least set up a phone call to see if coaching would even be helpful for you. You know, there's times where you know I get on the phone with client with a potential client and we find out it's just not a great fit. So uh, if you're on the on the edge of thinking about doing coaching, I highly recommend at least filling out that application to at least talk about the coaching. Um, I am here next week and have a bonus episode going over my online coaching because I just feel like it's one of those things that a lot of people don't really understand exactly what it is and you know what you do with it or you know how it works. And so I think that having an episode on that and just diving a little bit deeper into what we do with the online coaching, I think is going to be super helpful. So be on the lookout for that as well. But again, if you're wanting to take your training and nutrition to the next level, maybe you're plateaued, um, you know, now's a good time. Uh, here's a little push you need to go fill that out. Anyways, so let's move on to the, the next uh, portion of this episode. So this was a, a user, a Instagram um, listener. Uh, let, me, let me pull it up here. So she asked, so hey Jeff thought of another question. Is there such thing as being too active? I don't mean working out multiple times a day, uh, but just like keeping your knee high. I constantly hear be active, be active, especially when cutting, but is there such thing as being too active? When you try to keep your step count high, like 20 to 30 K, is there a point where it doesn't really make a difference anymore? Are diminishing returns a real thing? And it's funny, uh, I actually made a post that day about it. Um, so let's kind of dive into it. So uh, in the in my post, I mentioned, hey, like I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram. This is a, somebody I went to high school with when we were chatting. And he was asking me about a diet or asking me about training and um, uh, cardio, right? He said that he needed to, basically, he, he wants to lean out. You know, I mean, ultimately, I... I he didn't tell me that, but I know that that's what he wants because we've talked about this in the past. Um, so I know that he wants to, to lean out. And so he was asking me about cardio, like, hey, does it matter when I do cardio, blah, blah, blah. Um, so unfortunately, it doesn't say anything about cardio. I want to do cardio because I plan on losing weight while getting stronger. Um, and then so I just kind of dove in. I was like, you know, 
do you track your steps? Have you ever tracked that before? He goes, well, I do a lot of walking for work. Um, and we got to talking and he's like, and I'm like, well, okay. So if you do a lot of walking for work, you know, I mean, you know, first I would, if, if you're not getting a lot of steps, that's what I would tell you. So if somebody's averaging like two to 5,000 steps per day, it's like, okay, you need it. You probably need more. You're going to see some good, uh, progress just from that, just by moving more. Uh, you know, maybe if you're, say you're at 5,000, maybe you're aiming for seven to 8,000 per day. <clears throat> and, uh, but he tells me he walks a lot for work and I believe he said his average was around 10,000. So he's already getting in a good amount of physical activity per day. You know what I mean? Going from 10 to 12,000, that's, you know, you're like, well, you're already at 10,000. Why not go to 12? But uh, you're already dedicating a good amount of time to staying active. So, you know, at that point, could he see some progress? Maybe. But, you know, then I bring up the diet, like, Hey, just so you know, I mean, you're already moving a lot, man. So chances are you're probably going to see a better return on your investment by, you know, just eating a little bit less. And, you know, his response was, I think, think I've been eating well, but not doing anything to burn it, just living, you know? And this made me realize that this is a lot of people's issue. They, you know, a lot of people are sedentary, but a lot of people do move a lot and they think that doing cardio is going to be, be what gives them that, that weight loss. And that's not the case. Unfortunately, you just have to find ways to eat less. Uh, I think for a lot of people, that's just something that they don't want to do. Um, and, and, you know, so, but, but it's going to be something that return that just gives you more return on your investment. So uh, just kind of to dive into this post a little bit more than I would bring up a study. Um, so exercise is great for helping you lose body fat. Okay. So I don't want anyone to think that you shouldn't exercise more because exercise is always good and it's going to help aid in fat loss. But after a certain point, there begins to be some diminishing returns by just doing more exercise. I think the first diminishing return is in the form of sustainability. You know, once you get to 10,000 plus steps per day or you're doing a ton of cardio per day, I mean, how realistic is it for you to actually do more activity than this? I mean, we all have 24 hours in the day. Um, you know, most people have a ton of other things going on besides the gym. And so, adding in more probably is not realistic because again, it's going to just require a significant amount of time per day. And then again, more than most can commit to, but then we also have the other side too, the other diminishing return. Our body finds ways to compensate energy elsewhere. The more you exercise, uh, this has been referred to as a constrained energy hypothesis. So Ponser and colleagues define this as the body adapts to increase physical activity by reducing energy spent on other physiological activity. So essentially maintains total energy expenditure within a narrow range. So what I want to do now is bring up uh, Menno Henselman. He had a post. So again, he talked about constrained energy expenditure. Um, so there's a new paper by Corot et al., and I'm just going to summarize what he put in here. So increasing levels of activity may bring diminishing returns in energy expenditure because of compensatory compensa, compensatory responses, excuse me there on that, um, and non-activity non energy expenditures. Uh, basically, it implies that a long-term increase in activity does not directly translate into an increase in total energy expenditure because other components of total energy expenditure may decrease in response. Um, they used uh, a large data set compiled on adult uh, total energy expenditure and uh, basal energy expenditure of people living normal lives to find that energy compensation by a typical human uh, averages 28% due to reduced basal energy expenditure. 
This suggests that only 72% of the extra calories we burn from additional activity translates into extra calories burned that day. Um, so Menno mentions this explains why, for example, cardio often does not result in nearly as much fat loss as you'd expect based on its acute energy expenditure. He does mention that fortunately, strength training does seem to does not seem to suffer from any constrained energy expenditure, possibly due to its very high intensity. Now, there's a couple things here on that. They were saying that people, I know in this study that they talked about here, they were saying that people who uh, did see, some people did see more of a, uh, a compensation than others. Okay, so people who were leaner tended to not see as much compensation for energy, uh, whereas people who were more obese uh, saw more compensation. And and that kind of brings up the question, is this because of, is it, is it because when you're leaner, you don't compensate as much energy or is it because people who are obese are just more prone to these compensations and therefore that's why they are more obese than people who are leaner. Don't know, but something to think about there. I definitely think it has something to do with, I think that I'm sure both of them play a role, but I definitely think that, you know, this is why some people just have a tougher time losing weight than others is some people just genetically are more prone to weight gain and have a much tougher time losing weight. Uh, So I think that probably both play a role, but I I definitely think the one, I'm I'm sure it has something to do with genetics as well, because that that has a role. The more I learned that really has a role with everything here. Um, But again, genetics don't define you. You can work around them. And there's, for some people, you just have to do more trial and error. You have to try harder. You know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so anyways, the whole point of this was, yeah, you totally can do, you can do too much activity and it, you know, and and it may not, it may not, you may not be burning as many calories as, as you think. So again, if you're somebody who is already moving a ton and you find that, you're not losing weight as you would like. Unfortunately, you're just going to have to find ways to eat less. And I, you know, I, I don't mean to just sound like you need to find ways to eat less because it, it is a challenge in today's world that we live in. It's, it's very tough to, I, I think that again, if you're stuck and you're not losing weight, I just think you're probably, you're just eating more calories than what you think you are, whether you know it or not. It's again, it's just very easy to overeat calories in today's world without really realizing it. So again, if you're somebody who's moving a ton and you're not losing weight as you would like, moving more probably isn't the option there. Now, if you're somebody who only moves, you know, 5,000 steps per day, you definitely probably are going to see a better, you know, combination of a little bit of eating less and moving more is going to go a long way for you. But if you're somebody who moves a ton, you're probably going to have to find ways to, to just eat less calories uh, throughout the day. Uh, <clears throat> again, like I said, though, it is much tougher to do that in today's world. Um, and, and again, there's some things that you can overlook. So some tips to help with this. Aim for a lean source of protein at each meal. Uh, you know, Again, if you do this, you, it's going to help fill you up. You're going to be less likely to want to go eat um, extra food or you're going to be less likely to eat tastier food. Okay, um, 80% of the time, eat whole foods. 20% of the time, eat what you enjoy. Uh, we need to have a good base of whole foods for just for micronutrients and just for diet quality, but uh, there's a thing called food palatability reward. And, you know, the more tasty food we eat, the more we're going to crave that type of food. Uh, so we want to find a good moderation there. So we don't necessarily want our entire diet to be, yeah, maybe it fits your macros, whatever, but you do want to make sure you're getting some um, 
more whole foods in there. Big one here, again, we talked about snacking earlier. Look out for snacking and things like condiments and butters oils. Uh, this is a big one for a lot of clients here that, again, they snack, they don't realize it. Uh, they eat more, they, they eat larger serving sizes than what they think they do because, again, you don't get a lot of food for, uh, you don't get a lot of food for, basically with snacks, it's a, it's a small amount of food for a lot of calories. And again, so it's easy to overeat that and, and have 500 calories, but really you only thought it was 200. <clears throat> and then things like condiments and, and butters and oils, those can be things that, again, we don't track, we don't think about. And, you know, you add 150 calories, let's say you add 250 calories of butter to a meal, you don't track it, you don't realize it. If you do that at four meals, that's a thousand extra calories a day. That's definitely causing you to maintain or potentially gain weight in drinking your calories. Um, don't drink your calories. Again, when we drink our calories, we tend to, we don't, like when you, when you eat, usually your body does a good job, at least compensating in some way later on to not eat more calories. But when you drink, the body does not compensate as much. So you're going to just essentially add extra calories unless you're aware of it. Um, so again, if you're not seeing the weight loss that you want, at least track your calories from, from your drinks and see, and see what that's adding. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if you guys have any questions on this topic, uh, please, you can send me a message on Instagram or send me an email at jhfitness1991 at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to answer any questions there. So that's it for this week's episode. Again, next week, I am going to have a bonus episode going over my online coaching. So that should be out on Monday. Um, and then regular scheduled programming the rest of the week. So if you guys have any questions, let me know. Talk soon. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.